Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. My name is Ollie Richards, and this podcast is all about language learning. So if you're learning a new language, um, for the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, this is the right place. You, you, you are in good company with thousands of language learners all around the world who tune in every week to probably not hear from me, but hear from people like the wonderful guest I have on the podcast today. So today I am delighted to be speaking with Maria Dobrovolska. And I'm really hoping I pronounced that right. I did check with her. <laughs> Maria Dobrovolska from the YouTube channel and website Deutsch mit Maria, Deutsch mit Maria. And Maria is a wonderful person who um, I met first a few years ago in, um, in a mastermind that I was running in uh, Tenerife in the Canary Islands. And um, we've been good friends ever since, although we haven't actually met that often. And Maria's got a very interesting background. So I wanted to uh, invite her on the podcast so that you can hear all about this. So Maria is the founder of, um, of Deutschland Maria, a very popular YouTube channel where she shares tips and tricks for learning German in German. So it's a great source of comprehensible input for, um, for you if you are an intermediate or above German learner. But Maria is originally from Latvia, which is very interesting because it gives her this, this, this kind of foreign language perspective on, on German, which you might not necessarily get from a native German um, teacher. But Maria has been living in Germany for the last 16 years, and her main focus is helping non-native speakers pass German proficiency exams. And this is going to be a very useful episode for anyone who is looking to improve their German. Um, Maria is also a very, uh, very deep thinker about languages and, and teaching. So without any further ado, I give you Maria from Deutsch mit Maria. Enjoy. Maria, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for having me, Oli. Hi. You, you, Maria, you're like an old friend, even though we haven't met that many times, but um, it feels like I've known you for years and years and years. But I, I, we were trying, to, before we were recording here, we were trying to figure out how many times we'd, we'd met. And I'm not sure. I think I'm, I'm sure it's more than once, but I, it, might, it might only be once. You're one of those people who I've always, always enjoyed um, talking to and, uh, and being around. So I'm really happy that you're here on the podcast. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. And I guess if we can count the digital meetings, maybe we met two or three times in total. But, you know, you can't yeah. really count the meetings. You count the value in total. And I think. the quality of the conversation, right? Exactly, yeah. Last time I remember meeting you for sure was for a, a, a sun-filled week in Tenerife um, a few years ago where we, we talked about all kinds of things. But, um, yeah, here we are in uh, lockdown world. And uh, we're going to be talking about German today. So uh, I, I've already given you a little intro, but perhaps you could, you could, in your own words, who is Maria? Oh, wow. Maria is someone who is about to finish her book about uh, passing exams, especially German language exams. And Maria has been teaching German for a while now. And Maria has an on online school for German and a YouTube channel where she also teaches German as a foreign language for advanced users. And Maria speaks Russian as her mother tongue and a couple more languages. Maria sounds quite cool, doesn't she? I think so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I guess I should switch to 
first person singular, <laughs> otherwise it's a bit confusing. <laughs> yeah. So, so what makes your so you you teach German, and what makes your German teaching interesting is that German is not your mother tongue. You had to learn German yourself, right? And um, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You 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 gave me a look there, which was which was almost like no, I'm a I'm a mother tongue German speaker. I didn't think you were. I thought you'd learn German uh, as a second language. So I'm glad I got that right. Um, because I, you know, as you know, I I'm, I'm an English mother tongue speaker, but I teach other languages as well. And so I always enjoy speaking with people who have learnt a language as a second language and then teach that because I think it does give you quite a unique insight into what makes the language um, difficult, easy, interesting um, to learn and a lot of the frustrations you see along the way. So talk a little bit about how you learnt German and what was your experience with German, how old you were, how you went about it. Okay, Uh, so German is basically my second mother tongue, I'd say. So chronologically, it wasn't the second language. So I'm originally from Latvia, so I had to speak two languages already. So German came in later and I was learning German for a couple of years in school without any results. So, I mean, any. And then I went to Germany with my mom for a year when I was 11 and I got to you know go to regular, well, not exactly regular. I went to Waldorf school. Uh, and I had the privilege to be the only foreign kid in the class. So I was so interesting to the other kids that they wanted me to tell them all about my weird country and if we had bears, uh, bears in the street and electricity at all and, you know, all those questions kids ask. And so I went from Hallo, ich bin Maria, to basically speaking fluently in maybe three months. And I can't tell you how that happened, but um, the other kids in the class, they were correcting me all the time. So I I still, well, sometimes I wonder how my self-esteem wasn't crashed back then, because if every time you say something wrong, for example, in class, the teacher asks, asks you something and you, because the answer in math is correct, but you make a mistake in, in language and someone always corrected me. So somehow I survived and I got out of it from, yeah, let's say I, I was fluent in about three months. Then that was when you were in Germany for one year at school. Yeah. Yeah. And then you went back home afterwards. I went back home. Yes. And I, well, I finished school in Riga and much later when I was, 20 something, 22 or so, I went back to Germany and uh, continued my university studies in Nuremberg. But the funny thing is when I got home from Germany, when I was 12, I basically forgot Latvian completely, which was my second language at all because it's the state language. So I had to speak it. And I came back to school and I, I couldn't say anything maybe besides hi. And it was so frustrating. And I had basically to learn the language again. It wasn't too bad, but it was unexpected because when you're 12, you're not actually prepared to lose parts of your memory yet. And when did English fit into the equation then? It came much later. So I was in a German school in Riga 
so many subjects were in German or about German or whatever. So English was a language that came in maybe when I was 15 or 16. And we spent two years learning it with some Cambridge books, I remember, and we didn't learn anything. I mean, I could say London is the capital of Great Britain, obviously, um, and something like that. And later on, so two, two years after that, we got a new teacher who was teaching trees with, or well, in English, trees is the theory of inventive problem solving. So it's kind of creative thinking and he was teaching us that in English and I was so interested and I went from not being able to make a sentence to writing an essay what did I take from the little prince in about three or four months because I was so interested in in trees and not um, in English but <laughs> kind of a side effect I learned English I guess by that point, you must have been quite used to the process of picking up a language, especially for a, a different reason, right? Because it's interesting that you say that so, so if Russian is your mother tongue, then Latvian is done at school because you have to. And then German is also done at school because you want to communicate with the kids. And then English, then it, 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 you must get into a little bit of a rhythm by this point uh, when you kind of come across a new language and, and you face that, that challenge. Yeah, probably, but this is something I noticed much later. So many years later, when someone asked me, I found some kind of pattern in how I learned languages. And that was really helpful for me because from that point on, I knew that if I want to learn a new language, I can't start with grammar. I can't start with structures. I have to start with the function. So what do I need it for and with communication yeah. stuff and not with theory? That's a great place then to jump off to how, how, how you see learning then and how you help others. You said, just to, to kind of mirror that back to you, you said your first question is, well, what is this for? So it's almost as, as if to say the language is not the point. The point is something else and you're going to use the language to learn or to do that thing. So do you, how do you take that experience and apply that to your own teaching? Well, this is probably the essence of my teaching, because every time I talk to a new customer, to a new student in our courses, and we mainly have B2, C1, so advanced courses, uh, the first question I ask is, what do you need it for? And if I get an answer like, I need to pass an exam, I say, sure, it's a sub goal, but it's never the goal. So where, where are you going? What do you want to do? And then to most people, it's only then uh, becomes obvious that, oh, okay, uh, it is important what I'm learning the language for. So it's not about my grammar mistakes or some other gaps I have in language. It's about where I'm heading. And it's a very important perspective, which I'm trying to pass on to everyone. What, what are some of the most common reasons for learning German? Because in my own work, I've noticed that uh, you, you know, I always get to know students who are learning with with me, um, you know, different languages. And it's always German has always stuck out for me as a slightly different profile of of students, um, particularly in in terms of people wanting to learn the language for work and for um, emigrating, either either for work in Germany or to get jobs with in in in, in German companies somewhere. 
that doesn't I haven't found that so much in other languages. So so how, what what do you what patterns do you see in, in people wanting to learn German? So we mostly have people who well, feel attracted to the country as such. So it can be Germany or Austria or even Switzerland. Uh, or, okay, I have always to say that the German they learn in any language course might be not really useful in Switzerland, but yeah. But um, so for many people, it's a very attractive uh, country or these are attractive countries to live in. So this is quite motivating. And especially if people come from, for example, from the uh, ex-Soviet Union countries. So it's just very attractive in terms of quality of life. And um, so people come here, they try to get decent jobs. So not pizza delivery. I mean, nothing against pizza delivery, but I mean, if you've been a surgeon for your life uh, and now you've moved to Germany and they tell you, hmm, you can't work as a surgeon unless you learn uh, German up to C1 at least. And uh, until then go and, I don't know, wash dishes in restaurants, which are closed. So. Uh, sorry, you can't you can't work at all. So the motivation of our customers is always very high in its yeah. professional reason, or it's people who want to study in Germany or Austria or Switzerland, so university, basically. It's a very interesting thing to think about, isn't it? Often, many of my students are native English speakers who are learning another language as a, as a hobby or as a passion. But it's interesting to contrast that with the psychology of someone um, as you described, who's coming to Germany for a better quality of life and is actually highly qualified. And the only thing standing in the way of them moving into a, a good career is the language. It's a whole different kind of motivation involved in, in, that, in that kind of scenario. You know, I remember when I was in, um, living in Qatar, I, uh, I was working at the, at a language school there, the British Council. And it, that was around the time of um, a lot of the mass exodus from Syria in some of the earlier days of the, uh, of the of the civil war there, and Syrians are amazing people. They are extremely intelligent, extremely well educated, um, and I used to get people coming to into the into the British Council there saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a surgeon, I'm an engineer." They've just they've just until recently had this incredible uh, life in Syria and being totally upended by the war and then being, you know, displaced to somewhere like Qatar and they can't work because they don't speak English. Mm. And um, even though Qatar is an Arabic country, it's actually you know, English is the lingua franca there. So, and I, and I saw it in their faces, like they would come and they would do you know, like level tests to come and learn English um, with us. And I could just see in their face, there's a, 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 a degree of, intensity and passion and dedication which is like unlike anything that that you see in um in, in other places so it's difficult to um overstate the importance of that of that underlying motivation isn't it for people who, who want who need the language for something where the language is standing in the way of them and the, and the life that they want to lead definitely so i see the difference between, for example, if I talk to colleagues who teach A1, A2 levels, and um, they mainly have students who learn the language for fun. So it never gets any serious results. So learning for fun for most people is like, you know, I learned some words, I learned some phrases, I could go to the country and maybe use it 
talking to the locals. Well, that's about it. But when you have something who has like the, the choice, so do you want to continue working in, in, in your profession or do you want to completely start anew? And they have this really, really strong motivation. Uh, it's really a delight to coach these people. So it's, it's a completely different kind of working. So uh, they don't care about talent in languages. They don't say, oh, you know, I guess I'm not talented enough. They yes. say, look, I have, I have six months. I have to tell me what to do. Mm. And then you have students who are willing to do whatever it takes. And I mean, which teacher wouldn't want that? Do you find that um, English speaker, do you ever see that level of dedication and um, that level of dedication and, and, and passion in native English speakers? Or is that something that is kind of mostly from that you get from the from from, from russian speaking countries it's really different so we have customers from all over the world so we we have syrians we have russians we have some sometimes we have americans we have a couple of british people so i wouldn't uh, connect it to the nation nationality it's the kind of people it's mm -hmm. normally highly educated people who have um, high goals so they really want to reach something in life and then the nationality doesn't matter so they all have this passion for their profession in common or yeah they have a goal so as soon as you have as soon as you have a goal you act differently and basically it doesn't matter where you come from what kind of challenges in german do does an english speaker face versus for example a russian speaker is it is 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 German learning German the same, the same challenge, the same task, or are there are there big differences from those those perspectives? Because a lot of people listening to this will be uh, will be English speakers who have tried to learn German and have a certain set of challenges. What would be different for for, for Russians? I guess the biggest difference is that in Germany you find quite many people who speak English on a better or worse level. So especially if you go to a big city like say Berlin. So you can survive without knowing a word of German in Berlin. Uh, you will have enough people to talk to in English. So there is just this, um, there is not enough necessity to learn the language and you'd have to force yourself because everyone you meet, they will say, oh, you're a native speaker of English. I need to practice badly, let's speak English. And you're like, uh, yes, but I would like to learn some German. Yeah, yeah, later on. But first, first, let's practice some English. And I don't think it happens much with uh, Russian speakers. I mean, maybe in Eastern, ex-Eastern Germany more. But uh, with English, you definitely have the problem that everyone wants to practice with you. How about linguistically? Because I mean, I, I, because I don't speak, I don't speak German or Russian, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of blind to that side of things. Does, does Russian, do Russian and I know English and German obviously share some, some common, they have the Germanic roots. What does, um, what advantages or disadvantages do Russian native Russian speakers have with the language? Oh, there are many problems. Well, I guess the problem is not the language. The problem is how foreign languages were taught and learned in um, let's say soviet union and well they are basically now still taught in a similar way uh, the methodology is getting modernized or is, is getting updated 
but still you have this very old uh, strategies that don't really work. So people come here and they're very surprised to find absolutely different strategies how to learn the language. So they're very surprised to know that, oh, it's not just learning by heart. So you can't reach the C1 level in German by learning by heart all the words that C1 level uh, includes, for example. So this is basically the thinking and the knowledge of, of how to learn a language. So I have the experience that English speakers are normally more open-minded. They have mm. much, well, many more resources like on YouTube. If you Google any polyglots speaking about how to learn a language, like uh, Oli Richards, for example. So they're much, yeah, yeah, I heard so. <laughs> <laughs> so with Russian, you have, I guess, less uh, information on that. And you have more those uh, very old-fashioned ways of learning languages and many more old-fashioned teachers who just teach it the way they learned it 50 years ago. I imagine for Russians, the, there must be certain grammatical advantages, right? Because I know that English speakers, when they're learning German, they often complain about the case system and things like that. But Russian has a lot of those elements in it already, doesn't it? So does that give an advantage or, 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 or is that just a, a short-lived advantage? Well, there are definitely some differences in grammar. For example, in Russian, we don't have articles. So any Russian person who wants to learn German is confronted with Okay, not just the existence of articles like we have it in English, but with three different articles and you have definite and indefinite articles and you have to memorize uh, that, I don't know, uh, the table is masculine and um, something else is feminine, which is not really logical in many cases. Okay, so you can't just, uh, you can't just apply, you can't, <laughs> you can't just kind of it's not as simple as just taking the concept of cases from 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 Russian and then applying it to German. I guess my, I mean, do do Russians have an awareness of their own grammar? Are they taught that way, or is it all learned natively or naturally? I guess they have the same native speaker problems uh, as anyone else. So if you ask an English speaking person something about grammar, they will most probably say. Look, I probably learned it at some point in school, but I'm a native speaker. I don't need that because, you know, I know intuitively, hopefully, what is right and what is wrong. So the same thing is with Russian speakers, unless they are like into languages and maybe they studied linguistics or something. That is the exception. But like regular people who just speak the language as native speakers, they don't know too much about grammar so the same thing with germans for example they have no idea about the grammar uh, everyone else has to learn and so how do you um approach teaching grammar then so you know if you have a student come and you say maria I, I i want you to teach me german but i just i just hate grammar i've never understood the grammar the cases just drive me crazy all the uh the, all the different uh, genders all of that what, what's your how do you approach the task of teaching grammar I don't really like teaching grammar and I I guess I don't really teach much grammar. Uh, I'm into functional grammar. So if someone tells me, okay, uh, I have problems, uh, problems with grammar. So my first question would be, 
what exactly do you have problems with? Because no one learns grammar to, you know, to speak grammar. Like it's not a language. It's, it's not something you learn just to, to know it or to use it. Uh, so basically, if they say, okay, I have a problem with, um, uh, I don't know, conditionals. I say, okay, uh, let's look at concrete situations where you'd have to use conditionals in order to express something. And as soon as they see this connection, what this particular grammar topic is necessary for, uh, it becomes easier because we have so many students who uh, come in, into our courses and they say, I know grammar perfectly, but I can't speak and I can't write. So my, my question is, how is it possible to learn the whole theory of grammar, but not to know how to apply it? You, um, I, I really love your 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 YouTube channel, even though I don't understand <laughs> a lot of it, but I really like, I really like your, your, the way that you, um, the way that you are and the way that you, um, you carry yourself on the German channel. And because, so it's Deutsch mit Maria and you do, you teach in German. Yeah. And you, so why did you decide to do that rather than um, having the channel in English? Well, um, it wasn't even a, a conscious decision, I think, because my, the very first channel I made was uh, Sprachen lernen mit Maria. So it was how to learn languages with Maria and the target audience were German speakers. So native speakers. And that's why the, the whole idea was different. And after I, I had made some videos, I was reading comments and many of them were like, oh, I like your way of explaining whatever. Could you do a video on conditionals in German? I was like, okay, that's a completely different audience, but they seem to be attracted to whatever in my videos. So obviously not to my uh, mature way of talking to the camera, because in the beginning I was scared like hell and I was <laughs> learning my texts by heart. And I mean, I, I never deleted the first video. So if anyone is interested how it all started, you can see can that. Scroll back to the um, beginning. Yeah, yeah. So the very first video, which was like 2016 or something, you can clearly see that it's not something that I had been good at um, all my life. Um, yes, so basically it came out of nowhere. It came out of um, yeah inquiries I got in the comments. And so I switched slowly to teaching or explaining German grammar, German difficulties of German language. And I thought, okay, which language is my strongest? So. English is definitely not my strongest language and I wouldn't feel comfortable teaching in English because it's just not that good. So I know I can work fine with English and you obviously understand what I'm saying, but I have never lived in an English speaking country, for example. So my, my English is basically Grey's Anatomy, Dr. House and Game of Thrones put together. Um, so that's why the options were German or Russian. And later on, I made a second channel, which is in Russian. So I teach uh, specifically for the Russian speaking audience. But the main channel is German because I love German and because I consider it being my basically second mother tongue. Yeah. And um, well, one of the great side effects of you making that decision is that it's now a fantastic source of comprehensible input for people who are 
um, already at a kind of intermediate or upper intermediate level of German. So um, um, that's, you know, for, for anyone listening who, who hasn't checked out Maria's channel, uh, Deutsch mit Maria yet, definitely go and do that because you're going to have a, you're going to get to see, you're going to get to see Maria's wonderful videos, but also uh, get a, get a lot of immersion in German at your level as well. So um, really great. Maria, it's been wonderful to talk. Uh, where should people go if they want to find out more about you? Okay, I thought you were asking generally where should people go, and I would say they should pursue their dreams. But okay, <laughs> find me. Uh, just Google Deutsch mit Maria. Um, I guess you can find my website, which is Deutsch mit Maria de, or the YouTube channel, or the Instagram, which is also Deutsch mit Maria. So we have everything. Maybe apart from TikTok and Clubhouse, I can be found. <laughs> anywhere and that's maria with a j as well right so m-a-r-i-j-a yes yes but it's not pronounced marija but i mean i have heard everything i have heard marija marija anything yeah. but the, the latvian spelling fantastic and um what was the last thing i was gonna ask? i was gonna ask you something really interesting i've totally blanked on it that's annoying because i'm just so interesting that you... i know you just blow my mind and i just, do you um i have to i have to consign that one to the um to the to the to the, the, the what ifs um do you offer lessons for beginners as well or is it or is it just um intermediate we and above well we have something for russian speakers but it's not exactly um a fully grown program so we mostly work with uh, let's say b1 is the lowest level we use and b2 c1 we just had a student today who passed C2. I mean, he came to our C1 course to pass C C1, and he passed C2 as the result. I mean, how cool is that? Fantastic. All right, then. So anywhere intermediate and above, Deutsch mit Maria is the place to, to go wherever you can search it on the Googles. And um, Maria, I, well, listen, I hope it's not another two or three years or however long it's been till the next time we, we meet, but I have a feeling that this year, once things start to open up again, we're going to have lots of celebrations, and uh, I hope to, I hope to bump into you in one such, one such celebration somewhere around the world before too long. Sure, I'd love to, and thank you so much for having me, Oli. It's a pleasure, and it's great to have the opportunity to catch up apart from anything else. Okay, thank you so much, Maria, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll have to have you back. Thank you. What is the most difficult stage in learning a new language? Well, many people will tell you that it is speaking. It's when you first start to speak and you have those kind of terrifying conversations in front of a native speaker for the first time. And it's terrifying because you realize that actually all that stuff you thought you knew, well, it turns out you didn't know it quite as well as you thought. You begin to freeze up, you trip over, the, over your words, your memory just stops working. And speaking is just an all round distressing experience. We've all been there. I've been there in many, many languages. And, and to help with this, I've written a series of books called 101 Conversations. And these conversations are designed to tell a story. So right from the first one to the very last one, it tells us a really interesting story that's completely set in the target language. And these, because these are conversations, there is no narrative. There's no fluffy descriptions. It is just blow by blow, real conversations in the target language that are gonna help you learn and memorize the most important words and phrases in the language so that you can speak with more 
confidence. Now, these books I've written in French, German, Italian, Spanish, English, and they're all available on Amazon. So if you head over to Amazon.com and you search for Ollie Richards 101, then they should pop right up. That is on Amazon.com, search for Ollie Richards 101, and you can find there the Kindle version, the paperback version, the audio version, so that you can train your ear at the same time. There is this these will keep you busy for weeks, if not months, and they're also super affordable. So I hope you go and check them out, and I hope you enjoy the books. Once again, on Amazon.com, simply search Ollie Richards 101.